I would like to make a disclaimer before the show begins, and is that this show contains both subjects and topic of adult nature, you know, like compassion and equality and diversity and yes, a fair amount of social and political talk as well as spoilers about the show. So please, please, please do listen and watch at your discretion. Thank you very much indeed for being there. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the GMS Magazine podcast. I am Paco Garcia. And I'm Sean Harris. And today we are not going to talk about role-playing games, but, but, it's going to be pretty cool because we are going to be talking about Lovecraft Country. And word of warning, we are not going to hold back on the spoilers. Just so you know, at the time of recording this, I still haven't watched the last episode. And yet Sean has full permission from my part to spoil word ever is necessary um because uh because if if i ask her not to i mean sean if i ask you not to spoil this for me you're just gonna tell me to go far aren't you okay maybe we have like five minutes of footage (laughs) (laughs) okay um there, there is an awful lot of things to talk about lovecraft country so why don't we get out of the way first and foremost um the story as, as a story and how it's been treated within the episodes, because I have some issues about the editing of the whole thing. What do you what do you make of it? Right. Um, I was now I watched the show with my mom. It's our little family bonding time. Mm-hmm. And one thing I kind of explained to her was like, okay, that I haven't read the book, and frankly. Um, I have issues with book purists when it comes to adaptations in general, but like in this specific case, um, when the book author is white and you have an adaptation being created by a team of black creatives, I kind of got an issue saying that the white dude gets it better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, but there's also um, structurally, and this, this is probably some naivete on my part, but it's like I, and this is something that um. I'm going to answer your question, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but I have to set up context first. Yeah, yeah, go for it. All right. It's your, it's your podcast. So you um, when I was reading and listening to a lot of non-Black people respond to this show, especially like in the first in the first half of the season, um, I got like and the things that they were complaining about, like structurally or character-wise and all that, and I was like, I was... I was getting increasingly frustrated by those takes because it's like, look, um, because of the underlying, I don't want to say the underlying assumption, but there are things, there are some really shitty notions that not, that, that, that we've absorbed about black art. Mm-hmm. And and it's connected to the shitty notions we absorb about black people. Mm-hmm. And to paraphrase a longer Tumblr post, the, the notion is this. Black people are dumb and lazy. 
Therefore, everything we create is dumb and lazy. It requires no discipline, no rigor, no um, real imagination, no um, sophistication. Yeah, there's no sophistication in our art. You know, if you don't get it, it's not because you lack, um, it's not because you need to learn more to appreciate it. It's that there's something wrong with what the art is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, meanwhile, people say, well, Shakespeare, you know, but people point out that Shakespeare's geography, his <laughs> plays with the law. But, but, you know, we understand, like, we, but we're told that Shakespeare is a genius so much. And I love Shakespeare. I'm a playwright, okay? And we're, and we're told that he's a genius. So we look for the genius in his work. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the thing I was kind of bucking up against. It's like, do I agree with every artistic choice made in this show? No. But I'm also, like, approaching this the way I do Shakespeare. I'm looking for the genius in the work. Even as I like looking at certain things and it's like, wow, y'all kind of dropped the ball on some of this shit. But it's like, it, it's a very ambitious show. Yes. Okay. This is not a bog standard, ad a bog standard adaptation of a novel. This is a very ambitious show. And, and it's in that context where I kind of like evaluated how well or poorly they did or something. So when I'm talking about the, so when you're talking about the structure, I assume that what they're doing is deliberate, even if they don't necessarily explain that to me. Um, so I was like, okay, so something I was noticing is I was like, wait a minute. Um, and I was kind of explaining it to mom. It's like, I don't understand what's going on. It's like, okay, I think I understand what's happening with the structure. It's kind of a anthology. Where, like, you start with this particular portion of a story, and then in the next portion of, a, of the story, you focus on a different character, kind of shift genres a bit. And then in the next portion of the story, you kind of focus on a different character and shift genres a bit. And, and that seemed to carry up until about episode six. But again, and then there's the finale, which is, I just want to drop you. But I'll get to that later. <laughs> but the the way it was happening, so you like in the first one, you have like that kind of Lovecraftian, that overtly Lovecraftian aspect, and then you have like this kind of almost political intrigue kind of story, mm -hmm. and then you know, and that's focused like that first one was focused on, you know, you introduce Tick Letty, Uncle George, and then and then you like continue that, and then it kind of shifts a bit with Tick Letty, Uncle George, and then the third episode you focus on Letty. And, you know, you have a haunted house story, which is almost a completely different genre from the one we saw before. Yet not. <laughs> yet it's not. It's a completely different genre, yet the core themes remain the same. And then there's the fourth episode again. And then there's the fourth episode, which is like, you know, your, your pulpy adventure type story. And then there's the fifth episode where you have like the body horror and the psychological horror. And then there's a sixth episode where it's like, you know, and, and it focuses on all these people in, in different ways. So that's what I saw happening structurally. It's like it's just it's just a different structure, not a not a wrong one. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that when 
and then this is not about the structure itself, but about the show, but it's connected to the structure. When the show pushes the boundary like that, when it actually has the guts to do something unexpected that way or kind of challenge our notions of how a story is supposed to unfold, it, it's actually very int- interesting and compelling stuff. But when it tries to fall back on the like the mainstream type shit, it, it kind of falls, it falls short. Um, just like when the show focuses on these characters and their relationships, it, it really shines. Yes. But when you start shoving plot, it fall it, it, it doesn't fall apart. It's just like, who gives a shit? <laughs> I mean, it's like because when you when they stop treating them like characters and started treating them like, you know, pieces in a you know in a plot puzzle, that's when it like I kind of disengage. Well, to me, I had a couple of issues with some of the decisions they made. Firstly, I found it a bit incongruous, which I know um, maybe I'm picking a bit too much into this, but I found it a little bit incongruous that, for instance, one of the things that they, they, they describe how uh, magic is this uh, almost unattainable thing, and one person could be considered themselves lucky if they learn one spell in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. But yet, you know, the characters find themselves going through this never-ending chasm that appears out of nowhere over a wooden pole that begins to disappear. And it's a bit, wait, wait a second. I thought this was really, I mean, what disappear just to find a door that has to be operated with the blood of the descendant of the, you know, of, of the founder of the order. Wait a, bit, wait a second. I thought it was really hard to do. This right. Feel, this feels more like some sort of, D kind of fantasy magic than anything else or for instance in one of the later episodes when the hellhound appears out of nowhere when the police is is, is killing the whole thing and, and it's a bit and then it, it the, the episode ends with him petting the poor little animal and and you're left thinking that excuse me right i can explain that Okay, I'd love to. I'd love to I that. What was I mean? What? Um, okay, in that episode, you know when Christina showed, like, they're in that uh, mausoleum, and Christina shows Tick that um, that symbol. She draws that symbol in the dust. Yep. That is, like, the thing that summons the Shago. <laughs> the, the, the hellhound, you know. And it, because... Um, Because Montrose used his blood to draw that symbol. It the the monster is bound to tick. You know, it's bound to tick and you know, Montrose, it's bound to like that family. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So so yeah, that's a that's a detail. It's like again, and it's like it's one of those situations where like, I, I hope I wasn't do, like paying attention to something else with it because it, it's missed once and you're like, <laughs> if you missed it or, or like if there's something else going on at the time that's a little more in your face, you probably didn't catch it. I, I, had, to watch, I had to watch a lot of these episodes more than once to, to catch some of that information. So, so it's not a slight on anybody. Oh, okay. But like, yeah, but like I said, you, you have to when I say I look for the genius and the work, it's like, okay, I must have missed something, and I did. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's when they explained it. Okay, gotcha, moving right along. <laughs> but yeah. 
Okay, what what do you make? Uh, because to me, I, I I have to say I was not expecting the story when when it started. I really was not expecting the story to have such historical racial background to it. Um, it really caught me unawares, and I was like, wowed by the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, to the point that, uh, you know, me being Spanish, I'm not being you know, very well versed in, in US culture. I had no idea that sundown towns existed. Yeah, neither, neither do most Americans. It was. And, and to be honest, it was such a horrific concept that I believed it to be, you know, this is this is a made-up thing for this is just another aspect of fantasy. They're just, as you said, it's pulpy. So this is something hyperbolic. When I found out that that was real, that was a bit. Oh yeah. my goodness! What the hell? Yeah. How how was it for you as as a black person to actually see all those things represented on the screen like, like that with without any kind of shield or sheltering or you know uh, coating that been sugar coating it for in any way shape or form? What was it like for you? Um, for me, it was kind of affirming because I knew about a lot of that history before I even watched the show. Um, and again, my parents grew up during Jim Crow, and they told me things that uh, that happened to them and to the members of their family. For instance, um, my late uncle, uh, or one of my late uncles, uh, was waiting at a bus stop, minding his business, going to either work or to school. I think. He was a young man at the time. And some cops just showed up and beat the crap out of him, knocked out his front teeth. And they did that because they thought he was another person they were looking for. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I grew up with stories like that. You know, my dad told me stories about how he used to walk to school and like, you know, he, he grew up in plant country, not far from where I live now. And, you know, they used to throw bottles and stuff at him. So, so seeing it on HBO, is it's, it's not very shocking to me. <laughs> it's just like, oh, okay. Um, in a way, it's like, and, 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 and it's kind of weird to say it like that. Like, wow, it's affirming. But so much of that history is sugar-coated in general. And the actual horror of it doesn't sink in. So, you know, to see it presented as horrific, it, it, it eased my mind a bit because, okay, this is not, okay, they're taking it seriously. And not in a, this is a special educational message kind of way. Well, when they weren't preaching or weren't trying to get didactic about it, for instance, this is just the reality they had to deal with. And, and seeing it presented that way, like without this, you know, uh, without that preaching or teaching aspect, it's, it's just good. You know, it's good. <laughs> it's, it's cathartic, yes. Yeah. It's uh, at like, last it's being acknowledged as it was and not as people would like to remember not to feel right. bad about it. Yes. Right. Yeah, it's like, yeah, those places were real. Like, all the bad shit you see white people do without magic was, pro was 
actually done. Okay, like in the third episode with all the mutilations and stuff, that was actually done. Um, like the experiments on black people, that's actually done. I mean, look up the Tuskegee experiments about the mm-hmm. syphilis, which is a horrific disease. Um, look up um, gynecology as a field. Um, all that stuff was real. So, you know, so I'm not, so it's like, good, good. You know, and, and, you know, and I'm kind of tough to shock anyway. So, but yeah, having these, these presented as horrific and not as like, well, this is going to show the triumph of the human spirit or, or some kind of, or try to turn it into like a kind of uplift, try to make it more uplifting than it was. It's like, no, soul crushing horror of it was most of the time you know one thing i liked about um i, I think a lot I, I thought you know these these little shows well not little at all but these shows of genius and show it's how they mixed some of the music with some of the action mm-hmm. going at the time oh yeah you know yeah. I, I i thought that was whenever uh, in one of the episodes when when the, when white people were doing some some shitty thing uh and there was this song about you know uh how black people didn't i can't remember the name i don't know the name of the song i'm, I'm so sorry but how black people don't have schools but uh, that's okay because the white is on the moon and you know black people are being killed by the police but that's okay because the white is on the moon mm-hmm. and i i thought holy cow i mean the music has absolutely nothing to do with 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 the atmosphere or anything at all but is still so poignant. Is this making such an amazing point mm-hmm. within the series? And I thought, whoever thought about doing this, mm-hmm. big balls, yeah. <laughs> big yeah. huge yeah, balls. The, the so-called anachronistic music. I think that put. I think that aspect kind of put some people off. I was like, what are you talking about? This is the fifties. Why are they playing this modern shit? The point is that the. The story takes place in the 50s, but the shit's still the same. Um, the, the same shit we were dealing with then is a lot of the same shit we're dealing with now. Okay, yeah, legalized segregation, but come on, there's de facto segregation. And, you know, and it's sort of like using that modern, like, introduce, you know, introducing those contemporary elements in that, like, Period piece, like, is a great way to make it say, hey, this stuff's still relevant. <laughs> um, and I like the stuff where they use the spoken word poetry. Um, it was that, and there was the, um, for colored girls who considered suicide, yeah, for colored girls who considered suicide when the rainbow is enough, when like Ruby is pretending to be the white woman, and all she's doing is sitting in the park reading a damn paper. <laughs> um, <laughs> and there's, um, like, and then there's like the in episode nine with Sonia Sanchez is like the fire form, you know. And it, but yeah, because all that stuff like <laughs> it, it's just all you know because it's all that stuff. It's, it's like a big cultural kind of. It's, it's a very culturally rich show. It's not afraid to be that. 
Absolutely. You know, it's, it's one of the things, you know how you hear an awful lot of people when you talk about comic books or role-playing games and mm -hmm. how they say, well, no, this is nothing to do with politics. You don't want anything in real life within it. They show it's going to be, in the fondness of time, it's going to be completely impossible to pretend that there isn't a very intentional cultural input and message within it. You know, you're not going to be able to look like some people try to look at the X-Men and not realize what the X-Men is actually all about. Mm -hmm. It's impossible to do that. And I think that is such a brave thing to have done with the show. I, I think that is, you know, hats off to the producers. Yeah, yeah all those naysayers. It's like, no, don't make it too black. You're going to alienate viewers. Nah. Yep. Hey, nah. It is as, as black as it can get. How absolutely <laughs> amazing. As a matter of fact, when it stopped, when it tried to... I'm going to put it this way. It's not when it stopped being too black, black as hell. I'm not going to say that. It's like when the show was about using Lovecraftian horror as a prism to explore black humanity, mm -hmm. it, all those high notes were there. It's like... Yes, do more of this, do more of this, do more of this. But when it stopped being that, when it tried to get into, you know, your typical, oh, wait, we, we need a good guy and a bad guy. Or, oh, wait, we need, um, wait, we need to wrap up all these, you know, plot threads. And it's like, once they started thinking like that, or once the show seemed like it was thinking like that, that's when I lost interest. Because then it started doing the same shit we see everywhere else. Mm. Messy, complex, black humanity, here I am. <laughs> it was like, oh man, but no, 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 this is the hero, these are the villains, and this is how you're supposed to feel about this, that, and the third. Yeah, no, screw you, back. Um, <laughs> it's like, no. Yeah, because uh, I loved it when, it when the show was like this sci-fi horror, no, this genre show for adults. Mm -hmm. You know, and, it, and it's like, again, this is one of my frustrations with it, especially not with the show, but with non-black people's reactions to it. I'm like, what the fuck were you expecting watching this? Harry Potter with tentacles? Um, you know, it's like, this is not, you know, those, that, and I wonder if this has to do with like people whose entire media consumption habits revolves around media for and about kids. And, and I include teenagers in this, so so YA and all that shit, if, if that's where most of your media habits are, are, are focused on. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm like, look, in the real world with grown people, people are messy, people are complicated. There are no simple, nothing is simple. And the distinction between, for me, between, you know, stuff for adults and stuff for children is that the gore and the sex and all that, the violence and the cussing and all that, that, that's not what makes this show for adults. It's the messy, complex human realities. And yet, you know, people want to apply this simplistic, reductive thing, but, but who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? Who am I supposed to root for? Uh, what am I supposed to think? What am I supposed to feel? And it's like, this ain't the show for that. <laughs> at least it, at its best, that ain't the show for that. Hmm. And, and you know it, it's just like look y'all y'all have actual 
you have a whole fucking television series about Hannibal Lecter and he eats people. If you can't handle this show, and, and this show is a bridge too far, like, please get up. Y'all back. Just <laughs> 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 please. But yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's the one thing I did like an overload though, that every single character is messed up in some way, shape, or form. And they are unashamedly, from the story point of view, unashamedly right. messed up. You know, they don't see, and even some of them, the, the one thing that I was a bit, oh, did you, did you have to give me some moralistic, you're messed up? What, what did you have to do that? What? What didn't you just give me characters? You know, I am messed up because mm-hmm. of the things I've done. You know, um, mm-hmm. but there, there's, there seems to be a bit of oh, uh, oh, poor thing, kind of at times. And I was a bit. Oh, don't know. Mm. It, it depends on which character you're talking about here, because if you're talking about Montrose. Uh, no, I'm, I'm talking. I mean, one of the one of the ones was Atticus, right? You know, what Atticus was a bit. He was a freaking asshole in the war. He yeah, murdered people, left, right, and center. Had absolutely no, uh, you know, remorse, no issues killing women because he needed a confession from somebody, right. and he was doing that for a country that openly hated him. Yes. And then they kind of... They kind of pulled back from it. Yes. Yeah, they uh, pulled back from it. And I was like, why did you have to do that? He was messed up. And that would make perfect sense because he has grown up in an environment that was nauseous as hell, societally speaking. Yeah, not to mention, you know, growing up in an abusive home with a dad who, like, verbally and physically abused him. I mean, it's like... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, but yeah, it's it's like, it's like the it's like the show kind of wanted to have it both ways with Tick. They, you know, they want Tick to be the hero and they want Tick to be complicated and more, you know, and a bit morally gray. I'm like, you can't have both of those. You know, you can't have both of those because if you establish that all of these characters are complex and messed up, you know, you. It can't be like all of a sudden, oh, he's the hero, so the narrative is going to forgive him or whatever. And look, and I talk about this, and I don't talk, well, I talk about this kind of, I'm talking about it more now. And like, that is some Protestant Christian shit. Okay, <laughs> because as a, I'm, a, I'm Jewish, okay? And the thing about Jewish tradition, number one, we ain't got saints. Mm-hmm. No human being is infallible in our tradition. Everybody fucks up. Everybody. Absolutely. It, it's given. And like even our most revered figures, like even Moses, even the sages, you know, after the destruction of the Second Temple, even um, you know, even people like King David, even Abraham, all our folks was fucked up. Like, even our heroes were fucked up. But, you know, this, you know, all, all of them were a mess. I mean, just, just read Genesis. It's like, that is a, a mess of a family drama. But 
and, and you know, and they still achieve these great things. But the, but it's like, look, these people are still messed up. And so it's like, but I think the way Protestant Christians, or I say evangelical Christianity wants to have it, it's like, well, I can't have my, okay, my, I can't have my hero being messed up. So I'm going to downplay how messed up they are, you know, or kind of be like, well, it's not really his fault or blah, blah, blah. And it, it's like, because, you know, because in a Christian, in a more Protestant or puritanical mindset, uh, sin or evil is a personality trait. Sin or evil is like a state of being, not mm. a behavior. Whereas in the Jewish tradition, no sin or evil, their behaviors, you know, that's why we don't really concern ourselves so much as well. What's really in your heart? I mean, we care, but look, if, if you do the right thing for a selfish reason, the, at the end of the day, you still did the right thing. <laughs> Versus, you know, doing, doing something horrible. But like, you know, but the narrative wants to say, but like, yeah, Tate did these things, but he's really a good guy after all that. We promise. And it's like, I'm sorry, that, that, you can't have it both ways. You can't yeah. show us Tick having, you know, being a messed up person and then trying to be like, no, 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 but he's really a good guy. And, you know, and then there's the fact they don't really address Tick's misogyny or his homophobia, and it's like, and it's not that they don't address it, it's like, like you said, it's like, they want Tick to be the hero, but you're not... But you don't want to confront his bullshit. Uh, uh, yes, absolutely, yes. Uh, but, but, you know, I think that is a trend that I'm seeing in many, many American productions of, of late. And is that the main theme for an awful lot of series and characters is redemption. Right. You know, is, is that they find somehow a way to redeem themselves, you know, and in, in this particular case, it, you know, for, for Tick, it was when uh, Jiha nearly kills him and he has this epiphany uh, about, about his life and how he has to change things. But as you say, then there are some, some aspects like his homophobia or the misogyny that are left completely unaddressed. And I'm, I'm, I can only guess that the reason they've done that is because they've They've taken it for granted, you know, that that was just the way people was and uh, everybody was the same. And that's why it doesn't matter with them to talk about it, because that, that, that that's how it was. Right. But again, you can't do that and then be like, no, no, Tick's really a good guy under it and all that. We promise. It's like, like you know, it, it, it doesn't work like that. Right. You know, compare like someone like Tick to a character like Montrose, who's Oh boy. <laughs> there, there's a lot to unpack in that category. library of issues. Yes. <laughs> but he's one of my first because I love the actor in that role. Mm -hmm. um, but he's he's one of my favorite characters to watch in the show. And it's like, what? You like Montrose? He's awful. And I'm like, you know. But he's raw. His characters is precisely why I get so irritated. You know, so it's like that's the whole thing. Montrose is like the epitome, like it's the peak of that kind of writing they were doing. Mm -hmm. Where, you know, he's messy. He's like, he's a deeply traumatized man. Yes. 
deeply traumatized man. And then, and then, you know, and that's just like, again, we're just looking at his home life. And then if you look at the world he lives in, the, you know, you have the destruction of Tulsa. Mm -hmm. You have, uh, the fact that this is the 50s and they could lobotomize your ass for being gay. You know, and, or better yet, this is the 50s. You could go to prison for being gay. Mm. Um, you could lose, you know, and there's so much, it's like, like, and I think like a lot of younger people who, again, not as historically astute, are basing this on like, look, they don't really grasp how dangerous it was for LGBT people. Really, really don't. And he, on top of that, he's not only LGBT, he's a black man. Yeah. A dark-skinned black man. He had pretty much everything against him, didn't he? Yeah. He, the only thing he wasn't was a woman. Not true. And <laughs> all that, but then it's like he has all that toxic masculinity shit. I'm like, oh my god, he is a mess. But he's a human being, you know. It's like he's not just this. He's not just a mess, you know. It's like he, you know, why he's like that. It doesn't. And, and unlike they kind of do with Tick, it's like they don't absolve his actions, you know, but. You see where it comes from, and you, and you get some compassion for him, and it's like, okay, this is not a monster. Mm -hmm. This is a this is a person who's who's extremely fucked up, and has fucked. And it's like you know, and all of that, the, like the worst things he does, come from trying to protect his family. <laughs> I mean, like at the end of the day, like no matter how awful he was to, was to take, no matter how you know, but at the end of the day, he genuinely loves his family. He genuinely wants to protect them. The way he goes about it is awful. But then you have to understand, okay, what tools does he have? Like, where is he supposed to learn? Like, like, like can we not, you know, abuse the shit out of our children to, to raise them? I mean, you know, like, where, where is he supposed to learn that? He He's passing on what was done to him. Mm -hmm. And and, you know, and it's just, and, and it was like, so there's a lot of, so a lot, there's a lot, it's like, yeah, it's just like a lot of stuff he does is horrific, but it's like, it's deeply sad because nobody deserved the hand he was dealt. True. And, and but yeah, at the same time, you know, dude, you, you gotta be better than this. <laughs> yes, it, 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 I, I think it's fr from that point of view. To me, um, you know, Monroe's is, is the best character in the series. Probably, I, I really, really liked it. Um, can we actually? Can we talk about Ruby? Yes, because that is also. I thought at some point, wow, oh, what an amazing, amazing character again. Her, it's like I think, as far as the writing of the characters goes, my it, yeah, the actors, every actor in this cast was phenomenal. <laughs> mm. I, I love them all, and I like, and the vast majority of the characters I like. Like Tick, I was kind of like mad about. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> because 
I know he's the, you know, he's the <clears throat> strong, good black man I'm supposed to be. So, so, you know, it's like, there's nothing new there for me. But Ruby has my heart. <laughs> I'm unashamed of it. And, and this is, I guess, where I get, I'm going to get into some spoiler territory. Like, Go, that's go for it. Go for it. But, like, I said in one of my recordings, and I'm going to share it with you after we finish this. Ruby, in that show, Ruby is a character most likely. Okay. Appearance-wise, yes. I mean, she she's a plus-size black woman. I'm a plus-size black woman. She's not light-skinned. I'm not light-skinned. Um... And her, both of us are queer. Mm-hmm. Fuck, what does this hat say? She wanted to fuck Christina so bad from the moment she found out. But anyway. <laughs> um, and so, and, and it's like, it just like, not, not just like representation wise, but like just like Ruby, you know. I'm, I'm over this phase now, but I used to be on the respectability politics shit. Mm-hmm. I used to think, you know, if you work hard enough, if you get a good education, if you, you know, your life, you'll be successful. You'll have something to show for it. I worked very hard, you know, to get a good education. I worked very hard to, to find, you know, employment. And we're not going to talk about my employment situation because that's depressing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and I've seen people who didn't work as hard as I did get further than me. And I've seen, you know, and it's like I did everything I was supposed to do. I didn't get knocked up, I didn't get hooked on drugs, I didn't go to jail. You know, and the thing in my family is like, hey, don't become a statistic. <laughs> you know. <laughs> what a great, that's amazing. You know, so so you know, in a way I kind of um so I didn't so I, you know, I kept my focus on my schoolwork. I, you know, I didn't do the wild, crazy parties. I was, you know, well-behaved, uh, all law-abiding citizens and all that shit. And I still, and I don't have the life I was told I was going to have because I did that. Like Ruby, I followed all the rules. Mm-hmm. I was responsible. You know, and I, and, you know, and I have... Nothing really to show for that. And people who didn't try as hard as me have a little, you know, it's an opportunity to fall in left. So I, I, I understand her frustration and her anger. And then, you know, on top of that, being, you know, a large black woman, a large queer black woman in a world that hates me for being all those things. And seeing the injustices that, you know, this is upon people like me, you know, upon queer people, upon women, upon black, black people, upon people of color, and people just getting away with the absolute worst. It, it's just, it, it's, it's, it's enraging. And then, you know, I, I watched this show and I feel seen once then I hop online and the bullshit starts fuck Ruby she wants to be white though fuck Ruby for blah 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 or you know 
And there's all this bullshit, you know, where they like completely flatten her character. And it's like, and they let loose all their hatred of fat black women, of fat, of queer black women, of queer fat black women. And it's like, the same old shit. And it's like, and like Ruby, I'm tired. You know, the same people, you know, all these, the same, and, and I'm, yeah, I'm airing some goddamn dirty laundry about black folks right now. Black girl magic this, protect black women at all costs that, but except, you know, the queer ones. Except the fat ones. Except the dark-skinned ones. Except, you know, in my case, the Jewish ones. And, you know, and it's coming from the mouths of people who think they're so fucking woke. And it's, and you know, you can tell right now I'm very upset and it, because I don't, and I don't, and like, and an actor, and the actress who plays talks about how, like, I really censor myself because I can't, because if I don't, you're going to see me as aggressive and hostile all the time. And it's like, and then at the same time, yeah, I am angry because of all this shit I have to deal with. And the people who are supposed to hold me up kick me the fuck down. And I'm tired of that shit. You know, I'm tired of it. And so, yeah, you know, and, and Ruby deserved way better than she got in the finale. She deserved, you know, her tall, skinny papa, well, tall, skinny mama to ride off in the sunset in that silver car and fuck each other's brains out till they die. You know, and it's like, but Christina is like, you know what? Fuck what you heard. Christina's the only fucking person who gave a damn about Ruby. Yeah, you know, I I was so taken by the fact that Christina truly cared about Ruby. And she cared about Ruby, not about the white woman that she dressed up as. Mm-hmm. When, whenever I saw, you know, the questions raised, uh, which even even Ruby has to confront at some point, about you know you you put on your white skin because you because you can because you want to, and I just I was left. I remember leaving that episode thinking, you you know what, I would do the same. I, if I were living, or I think I would do the same, you know, I kind of, I kind of presume to know, but I think I would do the same. And I thought, you know, good on her that she's taken this privilege, this immense freedom and privilege, and using it, as you say, you know, to to get ahead of the game because she's done everything she was supposed to do. And it just didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there was a scene in particular that I was really, I thought it was so moving to me. It was gross, but incredibly moving. When they start making love and she starts to shed 
her white skin to reveal herself mm-hmm. in the middle in the middle of the whole coitus. Mm-hmm. I thought that is amazing. Love it. You know, I, I, I just looked at that and thought, what, what a beautiful way to say, you know, at the end of the day, this, this person cares about you, mm-hmm. for you, with, with all your nastiness, with all, with everything that drops off you, all your baggage, all the everything. She's the mm-hmm. person who actually cares for you. Yeah. And it's ironic, you know, because she grew up in a cult of racist white business. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, and and that touches on something that frustrates me about people's reactions to the ship. It's like, but she's, you know, she's, you know, evil white bitch this, fuck Christina that. I'm like, you know what? Kiss my ass. (laughs) Ain't nobody else in that show taking care of Ruby that way. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean sexually. It's, you know, plus size, dark skinned, queer black women don't get that. Ever. Okay? In the real world, they're not lining up for Ruby. They're lining up for Letty. Mm. They're lining up for Gia. Hell, they're tripping over themselves, you know, just to get Christina to look at them. So, you know, kiss my ass with that. And yeah, there is a bit of a, you know, screw you to it, too, because... This person, like, whether whether it's Christina in her own skin or Christina in her William skin suit, this person who's placed so high, right, has only has eyes for this person, this woman whom everybody is taught to despise. Again, that, that's in my audio. I, I, I go into it in my audio. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and it's like, and they're like, well, why is she choosing Christina? Or why is she with this person? I mean, come the hell on. Like, what, is she supposed to be lonely? And, you know, oh, what's she supposed to do? Everybody mule? You know, Ruby, I need this. Ruby, I need that. Okay, you'd be stepping fashion for everybody. And then have no happiness for herself. No, no joy for herself. No freedom for herself. No safety for herself. And then, you know... Not even orgasms for herself. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's just, it's, just, it's like if people don't understand the appeal of that ship or the or why, you know, Ruby's not just, you know, fan, you know, not just making this purely about sex or like a purely transactional relationship. It, it like y'all have clearly are not paying attention to what. Plus size, dark skinned, queer black women have been telling you for decades. And it's like, and like we were talking about earlier, it's like, I'm sorry, in real life, real human connections do not follow a woke checklist. You know, it it never happens that way. Never. You know, in in a lot of ways, and, and, you know, you find somebody and it, you you hit it with the person you least expect. It's like, wow, I have it's like, and yeah, and there's the area of it. And Ruby is aware of this. 
She has, like, you know what? If, if I actually look at this objectively, like, if I look at this on a piece of paper, she should despise Christina with every fiber of her being. Yet, this person, who, who's not only her polar opposite in a lot of ways, but almost her mortal, like her natural enemy, like, like cobras and mongooses, this person who, who she, she have nothing but antipathy for, cherishes her. Um, woos her, not just pursues her sexually, woos her, romances her, mm. takes care of her, accepts her, listens to her. Um, she, she her, even, she, her in her limited, really fucked up way. But yeah, but, but Christina is even vulnerable in front of Ruby. That's the thing that yeah. got to me. You know, it's like you know, look, this is bad for me to tell you. I shouldn't be saying this to you, but. This is what I want to do, and this is what I need your help for. You know, this is um, this is me. Mm-hmm. I was a bit wow, that. <laughs> yeah. that's that's powerful. Yeah, and it's like, look, yeah, there's a chemistry between the actresses is off the charts. Mm. Like, they need to play a happy lesbian couple. It's something in the future. Yes, <laughs> y'all, they, they should play a happy lesbian couple in the future. But like. I don't get this insistence that that everything has to be in this neat little box or this and then wrap this up and then tie this up in a nice little bow. It's like that, that is not life, people. Nothing works like that. It's like God, actually, it's like. And I was watching the show. It's like yeah, before and I'll be honest. It's like before I discovered that Christina felt this way toward Ruby. It was like I enjoyed it, but I wasn't really gripped. But then I looked at this and I'm like, hold on, wait a minute. Um, her own, Ruby's own family just takes advantage of her all the time. Mm. You know, only, only want to be family when they want something from her. And, and I'm thinking specifically of Letty here. And I'm not hating on Letty for this. Good. We need black women with some realistic fucking flaws like being selfish. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a realistic flaw. We all have that fucking family member. You know, we all have that person in our family who only come around when they want something. So, <laughs> you know, so I'm not hating on Letty for this. But like, why does, why does the, and also I have, it's like, why does the sapphic relationship have to be so goddamn woke? I mean, look, tech is a whole box of issues and, and nobody's saying that her, you know, it's okay. I'm not going to lie. Some people did say, you know what, them hooking up like that, it, it, it sets up red flags. And, and I understand that. But the way Tick treated Letty, some of the stuff he did, like, just basically climbed on her and fucked her. Didn't even, like, no foreplay, no nothing. And didn't even think for two seconds, hey, wait a minute. You know, he just assumed she was fast, assumed that she was a slut. And it turns out she was a virgin. And like, and he didn't feel shit, I guess. <laughs> I mean, like, oh, well, no big deal. I'd have, felt, I'd have felt like shit if, I, if I'd done that. That's just me. But, you know, when it's a straight couple, right? When it's your typical, when it's a straight couple on its way to becoming a nuclear, a standard nuclear family, okay, it's okay for 
you know, for for one for the both partners to be deeply flawed people, you know, with some with some ish with him. Because like we talked about, Tick is fucking misogynist. Mm. Tick is fucking homophobic. <laughs> okay. And just because he's not white does not make this less harmful. Well, okay, he can do less damage on a structural level, but if he has a gay child, if he had if that baby and Letty's belly turns out to be a girl, you know, that all the issues don't become less, less, you know, it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't become less fucked up. In the same thing with Christina, you know, like, well, she's racist. She's a fucking white supremacist. It's like, well, duh, it's the goddamn 50s. <laughs> Ain't nobody trying to give her the John Brown Award, okay? It's just, She's like a bunch of white folks. It's like, you know, I don't actively hate black people, but I just don't care what happens to them. I'm like, oh, why, what's, what's the point of me getting mad? It's like, oh, she just, like everybody else. Okay. Unlike, say, someone like Lancaster, harming, like actively seeking out black people to hurt them. Mm. <laughs> you know, it, it, it goes beyond indifference to active malevolence. And then uh, so, and somebody like brought up a good point to contrast the two of them, where it's like, yeah, I know that like maybe a, a few years ago, it would make sense for Christina to be the big bad. Because a few years ago, the worst type of white person were the, you know, were the indifferent ones. Mm-hmm. Like that, that was the worst we could imagine. <laughs> no, that, that, not really the worst, but that was what we were dealing with on a daily basis. But now... In 2020, after Charlottesville, um, we have active fascists, active Nazis in our government. The Christinas of the world pluck my nerves, but the Captain Lancasters are in positions of power. Mm. And I, you know, they're the ones like sending bomb threats to synagogues and shit. And, you know, and it's like, I'm sorry, it's like, I get it. It's easy to hate on white women in general. And Lord knows they, they pluck my nerves sometimes. It's like, Karen's and Becky's, y'all need to cut, y'all need to stop. But, it, but we've got bigger fish to fry. <laughs> I'm like, the person who's actively trying to kill me is not Christine. Oh, she ain't gonna do shit if she sees me being murdered, but I mean, she's not actively trying to kill me. Mm. The person actively trying to kill me is the Lancaster, or the Lancaster of the world. You know, the police departments, mm. you know? So, not just the police, but you know, the, the institutions actively trying to kill me. She, you know, she was being selfish and full of herself or whatever, indifferent or whatever. I, I, yeah, but if you don't cross her, she doesn't do anything to you. She just doesn't care if anything happens to you. Yeah. So there's a different level of malevolence. You know, it's one yeah. one thing is, is is to be unempathic and indifferent and inconsiderate, and the other thing is actually hating and proactively murderous. Uh, so they can actually, by the way, use your body to enhance theirs, which which is sort of messed up. <laughs> so ill. <laughs> that was. Oh, Wow, that, that was a bit. Wow. And I'm not talking about that dude in the closet either. <laughs> it's like it's, it's like funny with this show. It's like 
there's gonna be a gross out moment every episode. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you don't even know what your episode is. I was like me, I joke with my mom. It's like every episode of this show, somebody there's gonna be fucking and somebody's gonna be covered in blood. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> just, like, but but yeah, Ian with like Lancers, like he has his head attached to a black body. Ew. And then you see like how he got that. <laughs> and then there's this dude in the closet with like no tongue or some shit. And I'm like, Ew. Ew. Like, ugh. Yeah, ugh. It, it was a sort of messed up. I, I just thought, oh my, oh my God, they they have done this on purpose uh, because it's just, it, it's impossible that this is, you know, in any way, shape or form by, oh, her, 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 you know, this, do this. No, this, this was done very much on purpose. Yeah, yeah. And that is some body hard type shit. And that is the body hard, like, Okay, the metamorphosis butterfly coming out of the cocoon, pieces of white ruby like falling all over the place. Okay, I can handle that. Like, oh my God, what the hell? <laughs> like, yeah. what is this, man? Why is this torso black? <laughs> What's going on here? And they never explain it, and that's what makes it so disturbing. <laughs> like, what is with this? <laughs> it's like, you know, that, like, I was so scared for Ruby in that scene because it's like, because again, if she gets caught by Lancaster, she's dead. Yes. Like, not even magic shenanigans happening or having a dude tied up in your closet. <laughs> Just the fact that she's a black person where she doesn't, where she's not allowed to be, mm-hmm. is life-threatening. And because she just put the thing in there left and she would have had it probably. But you know, but she had to go see what was in the closet. <laughs> so it's like, but then she's like, "Wow, white people are way more fucked up than you think they are." <laughs> and then um, the uh, the thing with Ruby, and it's, it's like, yeah, I, I was so scared. I was like, "Girl," and she had to hide in the closet with that dude. <laughs> like, they they finished. Like, the, the, these they finished that episode and left us hanging. You were with him this whole fucking time. <laughs> yeah, but I'll just say, yeah, I'm sorry to cut you off. But, uh, that episode was so well done with that. Um, yep. Yeah, there's that whole girl with the dragon tattoo moment that Ruby has. And people have explained that ad nauseum, I think. Um, you know, the way people use like uh, sexual violence in a very gratuitous, grotesque way. And, you know, and I'm not gonna like, again, I'm not gonna delve into it. There are other places that talk about it, but I will say that if it didn't bother you when it was the girl with the dragon tattoo, I really don't wanna hear your opinion about that. <laughs> <laughs> if it didn't bother you when it, when it was the best salader, I don't give a shit what you think. <laughs> Now, if it did bother you when it was Liz Best Salader, hey, we can have a conversation. But it, it, look, it's the same. It's, it's almost the exact same scenario. As a, and as a matter of fact, the girl with the dragon tattoo was even more extreme in that particular regard. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. 
fair enough indeed. Um, I, I have a question because uh, this is something that we, you and I have touched uh, before we start recording, and we're we're going on an hour an hour, and we could be here for a very long time. But yeah, I, I show. <laughs> I, you know, I think we should do another one when I've managed to watch the the, the finale, which is, I think it should come out this Friday in Spain, uh, hopefully. But I want to ask you about uh, Jada and the curse. Because those two little girls scared the crap out of me. Seriously, yeah. I was genuinely disturbed mm -hmm. by the whole thing. The, the makeup, the, the moves, the whole situation. Mm -hmm. What the hell was that about? <laughs> like most things in the show, it's complicated. Um, Topsy and Bopsy, I think, are... I refuse to think of that answer this, but I think Topsy and Bopsy were, um, there's a couple of things going on. There's, now I'm going to use a racial slur. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying, I'm going to use this slur because you need to know what I'm talking about so you can look it up. And I'm going to need listeners who ain't black not to use this fucking word. Topsy and Bopsy are what we call a picking stereotype. Mm -hmm. And it's a kind of dancey, smiley, happy-go-lucky black person. Like it's a stereotype of a, a caricature of a black person, of black peoples. Because mm -hmm. you know, oh, we're jolly, we're happy, we're always having fun, and da 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 da, and dancing, and we're always dancing. So, you know, and, and the picking any stereotype is usually, I wouldn't say usually, often black girls. And not just black girls, but black girls with these exaggerated features. You like you see with the hair. Mm -hmm. um, like the, first of all, ain't nobody black. Ain't nobody black got hair like that. Okay, like <laughs> will be showing up in public with hair like that. That's how you know it's a stereotype. And then like with the red lipstick, like you know the big, like how like um, depictions of black folks and like. I'll say drawn media, you know, like comic strips and stuff like that. You had the big red lips and, you know, dance all the time. And, and I think someone explained it as like, like these are kind of the caricatures that we impose on black girls. And how they're coming for D is sort of like how, number one, how horrors are inflicted on black girls and people aren't paying attention and they don't notice it. Because to me, more than the uh, the actual existence of Topsy and Bopsy, it's the fact that Dee couldn't tell me. And, and, and that's scarier to me. It, it, it's like, I can't, like, can it's like, yeah, I, yeah, demons and shit are scary, but like, if I can say, look, there's a demon, and people turn around and go, holy shit, it's a demon. It's still scary, but I can manage. Versus, look, there's a demon. I don't see nothing. You know, it's the way, like, like the way the world kind of comes for black girls, and and nobody's what people say they don't see it, and and so there's no comment. There's no uh, protection. And, you know, and, and Dee's deeply vulnerable. And, and it's like people act like she's just acting up. 
she's just wowing out, you know, and she's just being a teenager, whatever, like there ain't nothing really wrong. There's nothing really wrong going on. You know, meanwhile, you know, the way it happened, they grabbed this girl off the street. They grabbed D off the street and, and dragged her into an alleyway to do God knows what to her. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're the euphemisms for sexual assault. Yes. <laughs> so to be, I mean, because they're like non-realistic figures, I think they can symbolize many things to many people, Topsy and Bopsy, but like that to me is like seeing the way that the world comes after black girls and and how vulnerable black girls are. And, you know, like they're the stereo, like and it's sort of like because when they catch her, she starts to become like them. And I think that's how like when those things horrors are inflicted on us and we start they they don't see oh this is a girl who's been traumatized or this is a girl who's been hurt they just see well she's just like that stereotype mm-hmm. so yeah yeah it is it, very disturbing on multiple levels god i didn't i, I had no idea about the cultural um ramifications of those of those characters i, I thought yeah. you know, that there must be something otherwise they wouldn't be there they're not going to invent uh, this this thing, you know, and, and coming out of the cover of the book, it came out. It had to mean something, but I had absolutely n- no idea of, of the symbolism, which is it's absolutely incredible. Um, look, we should we should do another episode on on this uh, because I think we are we're leaving an awful lot of things behind, um, and it would be great to spend another hour, you know, talking about. Um, yeah. All the, all the characters, you know, we haven't we haven't touched on on Hippolyta. Yeah, Hippolyta and um, George, George, Gia, um, yeah, Letty too. But but we always you know, Letitia fucking Lewis, but like, we we get she's really good stuff. Yeah, but um, <laughs> it's like uh, yeah, because there's so many levels to dig under here. Both where the show really shines and where it falls short. Um, yeah, we like we could, like I said, this this show has so much in it, so much to unpack in it. But yeah, um, yes, we need another hour at least. At least. <laughs> at so least. Let, let's let, let's let's do that. Let's let's make the next episode about Lovecraft Country too, um, so we can we can talk a great deal more about you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything that we have left behind for for the characters, and let's talk about you know how how much does it matter? Because I, I think about this show. One of the things I like is that if they take the word Lovecraft away, and they take even all the paranormal and supernatural things away, there would still be a very very compelling show with some absolutely amazing plots and and, and people within it yeah yeah and that's what like like i said before like when the show is hitting its stride that's what it does um but but then when it's like trying to tries to lean too hard on some of the typical stuff it's like nah that ain't it Mm. and it's like and again this is a majority black cast you know and, and there's no white savior figure, you know, there's no good white person to project on. You know? no. <laughs> and it's like, look, I have my, Christina is a problematic babe for me in the sense of, you know, I'm, I'm 
yes, cognitively, yes, I'm aware of blah, 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 blah. But it's also like, you know what? But emotionally, and I'm like, uh, and, and I have to get into this in that next episode too, I guess. But like, I'm, but emotionally, my feelings about her are very complex. Um, but that's everybody. <laughs> that's all the characters. My feelings are very complex. Like, like Montrose, for instance. There were moments I saw my own dad in Montrose. Like, and my my dad was definitely not good. <laughs> um, if, if I were a boy, I bet not have been gay. <laughs> but um, like I see in Montrose, like my own dad, like that quick to anger element, that harshness, you know, that um, but at the same time fiercely protective. So it's like, like I said, my feelings about these characters are deeply complex. And yeah, it's just and yet at the same time, it's like we have all this complexity, all this messiness, and they're black. Mm. Okay, in this genre show with monsters and magic and shit, it, they're black. It's like, oh my god, we get our fucking angsty ass so far for just like everybody else. <laughs> like, I like, I know, it's like, I know, it's, you know, it's pulpy, you know, it's like, I get it. It's, it's a genre mm. show, so it's got genre stuff in it. But like, oh my god, we get to be we get to be a complete fucking mess it's just like everybody else. I'm like, and people were like, comparing it to Game of Thrones, which is interesting because like, two could, you would think the two could possibly be one. It's like, no, everybody on Game of Thrones is fucked up. Yep. <laughs> Literally in the first episode, you have twin brother and sister fucking each other. <laughs> and, you know, so I'm like... And trying to kill children and behaving. Yeah, and shoving 10-year-olds out of windows. I'm like... Well, you know, now's our turn. We get to be a mess on screen too, and I'm and I'm deeply happy about that. <laughs> there you go. Makes perfect sense to me. Okay, well, let's let's leave it here for now, and, and let's return to this next week, uh, where I, I'm, I I also want to watch a couple of the episodes again, um, mm-hmm. because we we haven't spoken about this mysterious character that comes up, you know, comes back to life. And uh, she has everything. Mm-hmm. And you can see that she has man and she has woman and she's a mystery and then she gets killed right away. Just mm-hmm. a bit, oh, what the hell? <laughs> we, we have to talk about that. So, um, mm-hmm. oh, wait, um, people, please, listeners, um, what do you make of Lovecraft Country? We want to hear, you know, opinions, what you saw, what you didn't, what you liked, what you didn't, everything. So um, get in touch on our Facebook page because we'd love to hear from you. And um, say hi in Twitter, where I am at GMS Magazine. I don't know, do you have Twitter, John? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have two Twitter accounts. I have a, um, a professional account where, you know, I, I cuss a lot less. And then I have, like, my real account where I, uh, I share my feelings on something. So uh, my my professional account is Sean C. Harris, at Sean C. Harris. And my name, spell it S-H-A-W-N-C as in Charlie Harris. But uh, if you want to, like, follow me for fandom shit and me just, like, shoot the shit and be kind of irreverent and cheeky, uh, follow me on RVC Bard <laughs> on Twitter. 
We'll we'll do that indeed. Um, but until the next time, uh, listeners, thank you very much indeed for being there. It is uh, genuinely, trust me, it is genuinely appreciated. Uh, look forward to hearing from you and... Yeah. We'll talk to awesome. you very soon. Mm -hmm.